Well, good evening, collective. I know y'all like, man, my seats are different. We got new carpet, baby. It looks good, don't it? Uh, but man, well, I am really glad to be on Tuesday nights. I know I had this in several conversations. Man, we love Tuesdays, and this is the reason for what we get to do in this room. And last week, we got to set up a new series called There He Said It, and uh, we got to celebrate uh, my boy Chris Hickman. Yeah, and uh, we also got to be blessed by what he shared and this whole idea of loving our enemies. And we know that this is a biblical truth because it is not a truth that the rest of the world fully embraces. And when we get to really unfold Scripture and we get to look at things, like I don't think anybody in the room has audibly heard the voice of Jesus. But we have Scripture like, we have the Bible that we get to trust and, and document all the statements, all the words, and all these things of, that Jesus did. And we not only get to watch the incredible things that he accomplished and the miraculous things that he accomplished, but we get to actually hear some of the powerful things that he said. Now, there's some things that Jesus said. You're like, did he really just say that? Did he say what I think he said? And I think we probably understand this concept. Uh, if you've ever been in a relationship, or you've been in an argument, or it, just a standard conversation, and somebody says, what would you just say? There's, there's a lot of things that go to your head. Like, if you thought that, did he just say what I think he said? Be slow to respond, all right? Because that's when you probably say some things you probably shouldn't. Now, let's just say you heard those words spoken about you. Like, say you're, in your, you're driving with your girl in the car, and she says, what would you just say? If you repeat what you just said, you dumb, okay? Do not say it again. Don't speak. If they ever ask, uh, what did you just say? Or, did you really say that? Say sorry, all right? Start recovering, because that's what happens. Sometimes it is more difficult to hear truth than it is to watch or observe truth. Um, an example of this, right? When I get out of the shower and look in the mirror, it's really easy for me to look and observe my downfalls. Now, it is a lot more painful if somebody tells me about my downfalls or identifies my downfalls to my face. And when it goes to this idea in the shocking statements of Jesus, and we look in the scripture, we are, we are looking at a, uh, a statement tonight of a conversation that Jesus has with a dude named Nicodemus. And in this, in this story, kind of setting it up, like Nicodemus knows who Jesus is. He's watched Jesus accomplish a lot of crazy stuff. And he's been able to witness, watch, and observe what Jesus accomplished and he got to a moment where he, made, I wanted, he wanted to hear what Jesus had to say. He wanted to speak with Jesus. And that's where we pick up uh, the story that we are in tonight in John 3. And this is a conversation between Jesus and this man named Nicodemus. And we're going to be in John 3 all night. And our goal is to, to walk through this conversation and join the conversation. So if you have your Bibles, your physical Bibles, you can open up to John 3 and stay there because we're going to be in there the whole evening. And if you don't have your Bible, we'll have the Scripture on the screen the entire time. So John 3, verses 1 and 2. 
says, there was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. So we quickly learn this, right? Nicodemus was an upright man, right? He was a religious leader, a Jewish religious leader. He understood the Jewish faith. He was part of God's people. And then it says, we, we, not, we notice he has respect for Jesus because he calls him rabbi, which he understood who Jesus was, that he was a teacher. And then he took acknowledgement that Jesus was accomplishing miracles, so he was an upright man, he was a religious man, and he had respect for who Jesus was. But the scripture also reveals that Nicodemus came to Jesus at night. Now, there's a couple of things that you can assume about this. Perhaps Nicodemus had come to Jesus at night because he wanted to be unnoticed like he wanted to go unseen he didn't want the other pharisees to see him going to jesus he didn't want the opinions of everybody else so he was trying to go to jesus in a way that he would not be seen and many of us probably have done the exact same thing right we maybe we tried to to uh, go to something in private so we can escape the opinions of the rest of the world and maybe that's what nicodemus was doing like your relationship with God right when you come here right it's personal it's intimate but it should never be a, a moment where it is private and where it's hidden from the rest of the world we'll, we'll be coming back to that and maybe we just give Nicodemus the benefit of the doubt maybe he went to Jesus at night not because he didn't want to be unseen because he wanted to be uninterrupted Maybe he knew if he went to Jesus at night when everybody else had gone back to their homes and to their villages that he could have a conversation with Jesus with people not interrupting it. Where he could have an in-depth conversation. And if we are looking at this and we want to join the conversation that Jesus and Nicodemus are having, we have to ask ourselves a very similar question. Right, what time of day do you come to God? In what manner do you come to God? And maybe we can just be a little bit more practical. And in what manner do you come to collective on Tuesday nights? And maybe I'm assuming you're not coming here to be unseen because there's a room full of people. But maybe it's on the other side of that coin. You're coming because you want to be seen. You want to be noticed. You want to be recognized. Or maybe you're like, you know what, like Nicodemus, I, want, I need to come and I want uninterrupted time with Jesus. I don't want to be bothered by all the noise of this world. I want to focus on Jesus. I want to learn about Jesus. And maybe you can flip that script too and say, you know what, I come here because this is the interruption in my week. I have to come spend time with Jesus because I don't live for Jesus any other day. This interrupts all the other behavior in my life. And so that tension that you feel like, man, how, how do I come to God? When do I come to God? That is the tension that is in, currently in this conversation between Nicodemus and Jesus. 
And this is what he responds with. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. See, this is a complex sentence. This is a simple sentence. But the entire sermon is built around it. Right? You must be born again. And so in this simple yet complex sentence, Jesus takes and confronts man's truth with God's truth. So we already know that Nicodemus was a Pharisee. So what a Pharisee means is that he was uh, not just a religious leader, but he was a powerful religious leader. He was very high in the Jewish culture, in the Jewish system. He understood all of God's laws, all of God's rules. He followed all of God's laws. And then he also helped enforce all of God's laws. So as a man who was religious, he was fully faithful in his Jewish religion. Right? He was part of God's people. He was there. And he probably assumed, as a Jewish leader, right, the custom would say that if you were a Pharisee or a religious leader, you would assume that your place in heaven was secured because you are a high-ranking Jewish religious leader. So it doesn't really matter how you live or what you do, but you, your, your spot is reserved. Your ticket is punched. So when Nicodemus is coming to Jesus, he's already assuming that he is going to see the kingdom of heaven one day. And he was living a good life. Right? He was he thought he was but he thought he was living a good enough life. Cuz as a religious leader, as the man who helped tell people how to follow God, he's probably spent a lot of time comparing himself to other people. And this is a really easy trap for all of us to fall into. Right? Cuz it's you can always find somebody that's worse than you. Even if you make it up, right? You can always find somebody that's worse. It kind of sounds like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I drink, but at least I'm not an alcoholic like. Yeah, yeah. We, we mess around a bit, but at least I haven't slept around like. Yeah, yeah. I know we're fighting, but at least I'm not crazy like. You guys know it because we've all said it. We've all attempted to maybe tear somebody down so we can feel a little bit better about ourselves. And where you find that in comparison, Nick, Ademus, was better than most. Yeah, I might call him Nick. It's okay. Uh, my note says NIC. So I just said it. So I might call him Nick. We'll be all right. Uh, so in comparison, Nick Ademus was better than most. And he lived his life assuming that that would help him get into the kingdom of heaven. That that would help him get to see Jesus. So when Jesus says that you cannot see the kingdom of heaven unless you are born again, this shatters the truth that Nicodemus was standing on. Right? This takes God presented his truth and it shattered the man's truth that Nicodemus had assumed for himself and for the other Jewish leaders at this time. And the, the sentence seems simple, but it completely shatters every belief system. And it's telling Nicodemus, hey, 
You might think you are good enough, but you are not good enough. And then Nicodemus asked a question that I think probably many of us are wondering. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? And whenever truth is confronted, it comes with a lot of questions. And this, this is a very good question. I don't think Nicodemus was asking this out of sarcasm or trying to make a joke of what Jesus said. I think he was literally processing, how in the world do I be born again? I don't think he was being sarcastic. How do I go into my mother's womb and be born again? I think he was, he was processing this literally. And he's like, what do you mean? And the process of birthright, it is filled with a lot of questions. I remember back in 10th grade biology class. I walked into the threshold of the classroom, and then I saw this glorious thing known as a TV cart. Does anybody remember a TV cart with a show of hands? Oh, yeah, some of y'all know, some of y'all know. But today, every, every classroom has a smart board or a TV. But when you walked into class and you saw this metal cart with the old school TV with a seatbelt around the top, you knew it was going to be a great day of class. Right, the lights were going off. And typically what that meant for me is I was going to get a killer nap. Like one of the ones where drool would be, would be on the table. But at this point in the semester of biology, we were in sexual reproduction. And I thought, eh, maybe this video's worth watching. I was mistaken, okay? With no warning, we go into a graphic and detailed video of childbirth. And I remember just being just disturbed. Like one of the moments where you're like, your face is just stuck, and you want to look away, but you can't. And you're like, you get more and more uncomfortable. Like, that's what happened. And, and it was in that moment I was like, I'm so thankful I'm not a woman. Uh, and then fast forward 10 years later, I'm married. We're having our first child, and we're in the midst of labor. And the doc says, hey, hey, do you want to see your child? I'm like, yeah. And then I've vividly remember the first physical sight I saw of my child in the midst of labor. And I, it all came back. I, I am so glad that I am not a woman. But in all honesty, bi- biology class, it was disturbing. When you have your own child, man, it is beautiful. It is miraculous. And there's a reason that women give birth because I don't think men can handle it. So, celebrate all them women out there. Yeah, preach it. You didn't hear anything else, right? Men can't have babies. Uh, but all that being said, Nicodemus asked a legit question. It was a valid question. He's like, Jesus, what do you mean? And there is how Jesus replied. I assure you, No one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life. But the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. 
when we are born to this world, we are completely dependent upon the mother, right? You have nothing to do with your conception. You have nothing to do with the birthing process. And you really have nothing to do with taking care of yourself until you get a year or so old. But we are completely dependent upon the mother in order to enter this world. In the same exact way, we are totally dependent on God as we enter heaven. We don't have a lot to contribute other than the work that God accomplished. Man, we are dependent upon him. Life on earth starts with birth. And life with Jesus starts with being reborn. Because heaven is not about how good you are. It's not about how better than others that you are. You cannot earn your way. You cannot prove your way. You cannot accidentally find your way. There is no way to heaven without Jesus and the work of Jesus on the cross. When you were born to this world, it was beyond your control. And when we're speaking of eternity, it is beyond your control. It is beyond your efforts. We have to depend upon the work of Jesus. And in the words of Jesus, if you want to see the kingdom of heaven, you must be reborn. And then finally, Nicodemus asks another great question. How are these things possible? Like, I hear you, Jesus. I hear what you're saying. I must be born again. But how is this possible? And Jesus responded with a Bible verse that I think every one of us know. I think the entire world knows. And it's John 3.16. It's where this exact conversation leads to. And we can be born again because God so loved the world he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. You see, God sent his son, Jesus, to accomplish what we couldn't. Right? How are we born again? It says this, first by believing that Jesus is the Son of God. Believing that Jesus is who he says he is. And then it goes on to say that you must accept that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. That is the only way to eternal life. You know, here at Collective, we have, we have the, the blessing of watching life change. We have the blessing of watching people be reborn often. And when, it, when you look at a baptism... I mean, we are physically watching somebody being reborn. We get to physically watch and hear the truth of what Jesus can do in an individual's life. And every baptism, right, you hear a very similar confession. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and I want him as my Lord and Savior. So the very first statement in a confession is what we find in John 3, 16. The way that we can be reborn, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that he did everything he said he did. 
I believe that he has the power to change me like he says he could. I believe that he can provide the peace, the hope, the joy that he created for us to experience in this life. And then it says, I want him as my Lord. And it mean, when, when someone becomes your Lord, it means they take control. And when Jesus becomes Lord, man, he becomes greater than anything else in your life. His desires become more important than your desires. And his plans become greater than your plans. And finally, it's I want him as my Lord and I want him as my Savior. And when you understand that Jesus is your Savior, you understand that you aren't good enough. You will never be good enough. And if you are waiting to maybe come to Jesus until you are good enough, you will never make it. Because only Jesus is good enough. And you look at this conversation that Nicodemus had, and he understood, no matter how hard I try in this life, if my life isn't lived with Jesus, I'll never get to where I want to be. And it's the power of being reborn. It's the power of understanding Jesus that changes everything. Man, every single one of us, right, we have a set of hands. Now, have your hands ever done things you wish they hadn't? Maybe took advantage of somebody in a way that you wish they hadn't. Maybe sent something, typed something you wish they hadn't. Grabbed a hold of something that wasn't yours. Well, God sent his one and only son to take care of that. And scripture teaches that Jesus' hands were pierced to take care of the things that our hands committed. And how about your feet? Have your feet taken you to places you wish they hadn't? Taking you to that place where you continue to stumble? Taking you to that place where you, you continue to hurt yourself and people around you? Yeah, Jesus' feet, they were pierced to take care of the places that your feet shouldn't have gone. And regardless if you've been born again, that truth remains consistent. Jesus took care of everything that we couldn't. And many of you have been born again. Right, you've been able to experience life with Jesus. And when people look at you, and if you claim to follow Jesus, you should look different. People should look at you and notice something different. Your life now should be accomplishing different things than it was accomplishing before you walked with Jesus. Because when you become reborn, it should change you. It should bring hope that wasn't there. It should bring joy that wasn't there. It should bring peace that wasn't there. And when people look at your life, they should be able to see Jesus. And not only see Jesus, but see the transformation that Jesus can accomplish in somebody's life. Because your testimony, what you do, and what you, how Jesus has changed you, 
could be the greatest representation of God's transformative power. Something they can watch. Something they can hear. Something that they can experience. And some of you in this room, you've been born of this world, but you've never been reborn. You've never experienced what life with Jesus is like. I'm here to tell you, man, you have a father who is ready to call you son. You have a father that is ready to call you daughter. Jesus, his grace and his mercy, it is abundant. And it's abundant for you. And maybe you, life, maybe life has beat you up. Maybe you don't know what direction your life is heading. But I can tell you this. There's a God who created you. And there's somebody that you belong to. Somebody that wants you. Has something so great for you that words really don't do much to describe it. In a relationship with God, it is intimate. It is personal. It's something between you and him and nobody else. But it's not something that should be private. Right? If you have a relationship with God, man, people should see that. People should look at your life and, and it should display Jesus. But there are others of you in this room, man, you, you've never made the decision to believe in Jesus. But maybe you believe in Jesus, but you never made the decision to accept Jesus into your life as the Lord and Savior. And we want to give you that opportunity. We want to give you that place. And it's not something that should be hidden. It's not something that should that you should do and nobody else can see. There's be a lot there's a lot of people in this room that have been born again, that have followed Jesus. When I get done praying, they're gonna fill the back of this auditorium. People that can tell you what it does it mean to follow Jesus? How do I be reborn? What does it mean? Like what am I wrestling with? And you can sit and have a conversation just as Nicodemus had a conversation with Jesus. And they can teach you, and they can show you, and they can explain the beauty in walking with Christ. And so when I get done praying, man, we're gonna, the back of the room will be filled with those individuals. Man, and if you have a question, and maybe it's just simply asking, how does this happen? When does this happen? I want you to go talk to somebody. Don't find shame in it. Don't find fear in it. Because I can tell you, you belong to God. And if you want to walk with God, you have to experience what it means to be reborn. You have to experience what happens in the baptistry. So maybe that conversation is that. It's time for me to get baptized. I want you to spend time and work 
this out with Jesus and lean on somebody around you. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. There is nothing greater than you. There is nothing better than you. And Father, I pray that my life looks different than the rest of the world because of what you've accomplished. Father, I pray that this room is filled with people that look different because of what you have done in their life. And I I pray for every person in here that doesn't know what it means to live with you or to live for you, that they look around this room and, man, they see people that have something they don't. Father, give them the courage to ask. Give them the courage to start a conversation because, Jesus, there is nothing greater than you. May you be the Lord and Savior of this moment. And it's your name that we pray. Amen.